0: Alright, so on last week's episode, we talked about some of the best of the best when it comes to the MCU with Loki Season 2. Unfortunately, today we are on the complete opposite side of that spectrum, and we are talking about, at least in this podcast host opinion, some of the worst of the worst content that we have got from the MCU when we talk about the latest Marvel movie, The Marvels. Colby, you know the drill, buddy. We can't get this thing started until you give us that music. My name is Johnny J and this is episode 81 of the DMSW podcast. Alrighty, welcome back to the show. This is episode 81 of the DMSW podcast. And as I said there, the opener, we're going to be talking about the latest MCU movie, The Marvels. But before we really get into that movie, I just want to talk about kind of the MCU as a whole and where we have been in this uh in this calendar year of 2023. Things started off back in February with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and I think a lot of people kind of, when that movie was all said and done, had it in their, their bottom tier. Some people had it and said it was the the worst Marvel movie they've ever seen, but I, it feels like a lot of people have that towards the very bottom of the list. So, didn't get off to a great start. The movie did perform okay at the box office. It made over $400 million, so it wasn't a complete flop, but it just it doesn't seem like a lot of people have it very high on their list. Then we got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and in my opinion, that is one of the best MCU movies ever, even going all the way back through the entire history of the MCU. For me personally, I have it in my top 5. It is my favorite of the three Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Then we went over to the Disney Plus side and we got Secret Invasion, a show that the premise of it and the idea of it ahead of time, it was the most excited I've been for any Marvel show that they brought to Disney+. And when all was said and done, it was, in my opinion, hands down, without a doubt, far and away, the single worst project that Marvel has ever done. To me, they completely ruined, destroyed, embarrassed the character of Nick Fury, that show did the MCU no favors. That show never should have been made. We lost Maria Hill in that show. We lost Talos in that show. Two characters that they've never been the really the, the lead of a movie or a project, but they have done so, so well in the roles that they were given. And it feels like both of those characters, we lost them as characters in the MCU for no good reason show that was not worth our time and never should have been made in the first place. They tried to tell us that Rhodey has been a Skrull going all the way back to around the time of the Civil War movies. The Rhodey that we got in that TV show is different than any Rhodey that we've got in any of the previous Marvel movies. Did it seem like Rhodey was a Skrull in that show? Yes, it certainly did because he acted in a way that he's never acted before. So, it just it, it infuriates me to think of how bad that TV project was. And it's again, it's just so confusing because Guardians of the Galaxy was easily one of the best MCU projects. And the very next thing we get is the complete polar opposite again, back towards like Quantumania, towards the very bottom tier of the MCU project. But things bounce back, and then we get Loki Season 2, which, as you heard me say last week, my opinion the single best Disney Plus show that they have made to date. But then it goes right back down again, downhill again with this latest movie, The Marvels. And at least for me, one of the things that, that these these poor projects, why they annoy me the most is because it adds fuel to the fire for the argument for people out there to say, oh, this is uh, comic book movie fatigue, people have superhero fatigue, they're just they're sick of these kind of movies and marvel needs to pull back and and stop making so much and it it just it drives me nuts because i i don't feel like that's really what's going on i don't feel like people are actually just getting sick of this this genre or this style of movie i just don't think they're making as consistent of a good project as they used to back in the day when Back in the the phase three time period in the Marvel Slate, that's when they were just absolutely cooking with gas and every single movie they came out was a top 10, top 12 type of just absolute elite, elite MCU type of project. And now they're just all over the map. So I don't think fans out there really are sick of the genre. I don't think they're sick of superhero movies. It's just they're not as consistent as they were with the actual content and the quality of the content that they're making right now. So, let's get into the Marvel's movie itself, and we'll kick it right off here from the start, and I'll give you my official DMSW score. And if you remember from the last few episodes that I've done uh, for movie reviews and TV show reviews, I use a very simplified, just a a basic five-point scale, uh, for, for when I'm rating things, a five is going to be the, the top level, the hall of fame type of just elite echelon type of, uh, quality, a four is going to be better than average. Uh, it's, you're, you're, great movies, but they're missing whether it's the right character or the soundtrack. There's, there's something missing from that project to kind of keep it out of that ultimate hall of fame level, but it is better than your, your average, uh, movie that you get. A three is going to be a very solid project, extremely rewatchable still, but uh, there's there's something missing there to kind of keep it out of the two top tiers, but still a very solid and good project. A two is going to be slightly disappointing. It's, it is rewatchable. It's going to be one of those, if you, you come into a room and somebody else is already watching it, you'd be willing to watch it and pick it up from where it left off. Uh, But you're probably not going to be going out of your way to put that uh, movie or TV show on again uh, yourself. And then a one is going to be you're just absolute dumpster fire. Just you hated the project. You're never going to watch it again no matter what. If somebody puts it on, you're going to walk out of the room just complete bottom of the barrel type of project. And for me, I broke it down kind of like I did with Loki over a few different categories. And thought about it on the five-point scale for each of the different categories, and then kind of came out to an overall average score. And for me, the Marvels shook out to just a level two on the DMSW scale. So I will say it is not the worst MCU project that I've ever seen. That, as you heard earlier, belongs completely to Secret Invasion of the Disney Plus show. But uh, even just on the movie side of things, the Marvels was not. The worst project that I've ever seen, but it definitely was in that that bottom tier. It is it is a, a bottom 10 uh, MCU movie for me overall did not really enjoy this movie. Um, but the the first category I'll talk about, which uh, was one of, I think, the the better parts or the better categories of this movie was the acting itself. Iman Valani absolutely stole this show. And she is the the biggest reason that this movie is not a just complete and utter dumpster fire. Because her performance was fantastic as Ms. Marvel. If you have seen any interviews with Iman Iman Vellani uh, through this movie or back when her Disney Plus show first came out, it is clear that this is a young actress that is just absolutely living out her dream. And that comes across in her performance on the screen. She is very believable as this character, as Ms. Marvel, but you you can feel the the love and the passion and the attachment that she has, not only for the character that she's playing, but for this this MCU thing as a whole. She literally looks like she is just living out her dream on the screen. And and that passion really comes through and it makes it a very believable performance. Tiana Paris was back for the first time that we've seen her since the WandaVision show, and if you think back to that WandaVision show, I really think that her character was one of the best parts of that show. I think she was a, a fantastic new character, somebody that I wanted to see more of, wanted to learn more about her powers. Uh, I don't think her performance was on the level of Iman Vellani's. I don't think she was uh, as passionate or as into it as she was, but she was better than, I think, the worst acting performance in this movie, which was Brie Larson. Now, for all the good things that I said about Iman Vellani and, and how it feels like you can feel her love and her attachment to the MCU in every second of her performance on the screen, I really, unfortunately, feel the complete opposite way for Brie Larson. It, it just... It looks like an an actress that signed a contract which requires her to do x amount of movies as this character, and she's just going through the motions. I do not feel like she enjoys being this character. I don't feel like she enjoys being in the m c u. She feels her performance makes me feel like she is just miserable and she's just not that into it Now, I know part of that was kind of the storyline you were I think they were trying to go for. Um, that, that Iman Vellani and Ms. Marvel was kind of almost re-energizing uh, Carol Danvers as the uh, Captain Marvel character, but it just it never came through in the performance for me. Uh, when they get to the most emotional part of the movie, when uh, Carol Danvers finally admits to Monica Rambeau why she never came back to Earth, and she has a, a, a crying scene, it's just not believable at all it looks it looks like a bad uh disney channel uh after school afternoon movie uh that you would see just not believable at all just a a very bad performance there was a a scene where they go to a certain planet and the everybody on the planet they can't speak english they can only sing english which we'll get into the storyline and the plot here in a minute but I get that almost felt like Brie Larson was like, "I really need to sing. I I want to sing. I I." She is a, a clearly a talented singer, and it felt like she almost kind of had something on the director where she was like, "You have to put a song in here for me. I need to sing a song." It felt completely shoehorned in. It just it it, it disrupted the flow of the movie. It was it was awkward. It was weird, and it it didn't feel like they took advantage of. What they built with this planet, with singing people, they, 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 awkwardly brought it in, and then they j- brought it out just as awkwardly fast uh, as as it got started. So just a really weird part of the movie, and just like I said, overall from start to finish, it just feels like Brie Larson is just not feeling it, and maybe my my opinion is being influenced from seeing some of her interviews uh leading up to this movie and in between some of the other projects that he's done uh she's done it clearly seems like the the negative feedback that fans have been giving her and I honestly do believe that it's been more aggressive and more harsh than it needs to be the the first Captain Marvel movie was not really that bad it was to me it was kind of some it probably floated out somewhere in the middle uh of the pack it was definitely not the the elite or the best of the best in the MCU, but it certainly wasn't. It doesn't deserve as harsh uh, a criticism as I think it got from a lot of fans along the way. That that first movie was fine, but I think a lot of fans didn't enjoy her performance, and 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 were maybe a little bit too aggressive and and negative towards her uh, being cast as Carol Danvers and uh, Captain Marvel in the MCU. And it it does definitely feel like that got into her head and she just she just doesn't seem to enjoy it and it's it's only more uh obvious when she's on screen with Amon Vellani who like I said it is so clear that this girl absolutely she found that that genie's lamp and her first wish was I want to be a superhero and I want to be in the MCU and and now we're getting to her get to see her live out that wish. So it's it's almost even unfair for for Brie Larson to have to act against Iman Vellani because she is so clearly into everything MCU and it's clear that they're uh that they're seeing that and they're they're making Iman Vellani a very big part of the MCU going forward which I feel is very deserved. Um so <clears throat> like I said act the acting was probably the best part or the best category uh for me when I broke down uh the score I can also hit the the CGI. I kind of give the CGI a 3 as well. Is it uh, as amazing as what we saw in Infinity War and Endgame, where just everything was absolutely perfect, crystal clear? Uh, No, I don't think so. It wasn't uh, exactly up to that level. But it certainly wasn't as bad as movies like uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumania, or She-Hulk. So the CGI was fine, just middle of the road. Uh, for me, so I gave that uh, a three as well, and if those are the good points of the movie, the CGI and the acting. Uh, to me, the worst part of this movie was just the overall story and the overall plot of the movie. the The villain was horrible. They made no attempt to really give her a solid base and a solid effort of building her backstory, establishing why she is as powerful as she is, why she is doing what she's doing. It was just a very quick throwaway scene to kind of uh, have a quick flashback and explain what was going on. Uh, and again, to me, Secret Invasion, you know, i <laughs> my least favorite Marvel project of all time. They completely destroyed the Nick Fury character, I feel like in that movie, in in that show, the, the Nick Fury that we got in Secret Invasion was not the same Nick Fury that we've seen in all previous MCU projects. Now, this movie feels like it put Nick Fury back on the track to get closer towards that, but still just a completely different Nick Fury than we're used to as well. This felt like a, uh, a, a bad comedy experience for a guy that really kind of was past his job and was ready to hang it up as well. It just it didn't feel like that classic badass type of Nick Fury that we're used to seeing in the MCU. Certainly better than what we got from Nick Fury in Secret Invasion, but still not the Nick Fury that we all know and love uh, from the past. Now, they also said that Secret Invasion was going to be a very important TV show to understand the marvels and that show was meant to be a precursor to the marvels movie and i didn't feel that either it that that it didn't feel the connection to that storyline really at any point whatsoever uh, in this movie they didn't reference nick fury's wife and his decision to to move on and and leave her behind again she wasn't she didn't show up at the movie at any point the the other Skrulls, any of the Skrulls that existed in the Secret Invasion show, none of them showed up in this movie as well. So just a, a lot of things that happened from this movie just didn't seem to really make sense. They we, we meet an entirely new colony or group of Skrulls where it felt like they kind of established in Secret Invasion that all the Skrulls were now living on Earth, and they got mad at Nick Fury because... He promised to find them a new safe haven, a new home to go to, and he never did. But apparently in this movie, there's an entire colony of Skrulls out there that did find their own planet and were settled and all happy all by themselves until the villain shows up and takes away their planet. And then again, another reason why to me the story and plot of this movie was just dumpster fire was out of nowhere, Captain Marvel says she's going to call her friend to help the Skrulls, and her friend is Valkyrie. And they made no effort to explain how Captain Marvel and Valkyrie are good enough friends that she can call her from anywhere in the galaxy, and she'll show up on the Bifrost and dro- at the drop of a hat and do whatever Captain Marvel needs her to do. They both appeared in the Battle of Endgame together, but they did nothing to establish any type of Friendship or relationship between these two characters. It and this movie had its release date moved five different times and had multiple reshoots, and that is completely clear in how this movie moves along. It feels like this was just put together from a bunch of different random filmings, and it felt like it must have been just an absolute, uh, Battle in the the editing room because it nothing seems to connect. It bounces all over the place, and like I said, there's things happen and they don't do a good enough job explaining the backstory or giving you um the evidence of why what you're seeing is happening. And again, they almost slap their own secret invasion show in the face by letting the Skrulls all go back to Earth. And live in New Asgard with Valkyrie. If if it was that easy to set up and protect the Skrulls, then why didn't Nick Fury and Captain Marvel do that from the very beginning? Once they established New Asgard after Endgame, why didn't they give all the Skrulls that safe haven and send them to go work and and go live with the uh, with the Asgardians there? It just it just didn't make sense really at any point in the other thing that you run into is when you establish Captain Marvel and and her level of of power in Endgame she takes on think about the when she fights Thanos one-on-one at the end of the movie she he he headbutts her at one point and she she doesn't even flinch he had the only reason he takes her out is he has to actually remove the power stone from the gauntlet put it in his hand and punch her with that and that's the only way that Thanos the most powerful villain the most powerful being that we've seen in the MCU can can actually make an attack or land an attack on Captain Marvel in the first battle scene that we get in this movie Captain Marvel is f- fighting just like standard goon level bad guys and and they're knocking her around and she's flying through Ms Marvel's house it just you already established how how tough and how strong and how powerful this character is, and then with no explanation of making her weaker or saying that she can't do that anymore or she's lost some of her power, suddenly these just run-of-the-mill bad guys can go toe-to-toe with her just as as if they were Thanos battling her in Endgame. So just so much of this movie just didn't make sense. It felt like they just were trying to pump out a, a Captain Marvel project. Without actually putting in the the passion and the believability to uh, building an entire plot line in an entire movie from start to finish that really made sense and to me the the, the worst part of the story and the plot line was at the very end of the movie the the, the, the bad guy had found one of the bracelets or one of the uh, bangles like Ms Marvel had, and she was able to get the bangle off of Ms. Marvel and was gonna put both of them on, it was gonna go use them, and they were like, No no, you can't do that. You're gonna kill yourself. You're you're that's too much power. You won't be able to handle it. Don't put the two bangles on. She doesn't listen. She puts the two bangles on. Boom. Instantly bad guy is dead and it somehow rips uh, a, a hole in the middle of outer space. And then two seconds later, they put both of the bangles on Ms Marvel. Why why is why are two bangles on the bad guy too powerful? She can't handle it. It's going to kill her and it's going to rip a hole in the middle of space. But then this teenage girl can put the bangles on and be completely fine. It just it makes no sense. And then the real cherry on the top was with again, without any explanation really at any point in time of what Monica Rambeau's powers really were and how they worked. They basically just said we need to sew this hole, uh this hole in the middle of outer space. Well, guess what? she can do it that's That's what her powers do. They let her uh, they let her fix holes in the middle of outer space, but for some reason, she can only do it from the other side of the hole. She has to go through the hole in space to the other dimension, and she can only sew it shut from the other side. Why? Why does that have to happen that way? There's just again the repeating thing here and why this movie ended up being just a 2 for me it doesn't make sense and i've as i've said before when talking about marvel movies and mcu projects you go into it with a suspension of disbelief you know that you are obviously watching ridiculous fake nonsense with superheroes that's the whole genre it's all fake it's all silly it's all ridiculous but you still once you establish what the what the rules are that environment, you have to stay within those rules because if you just go and, and change things all willy-nilly as you need to to fit the store the, the the next step in your movie, it instantly makes you kind of pull back and go, well that doesn't make any sense. And that's that's the worst thing that you can do when watching a Marvel movie. You want to just turn your brain off, sit there and just watch uh, a, a silly, fun, uh, adventurous movie. But when you do things that just completely go against what you've already established, it immediately pulls your brain out and go, wait a minute, how can she do that? She couldn't do that before, but now she can do it now. And why do her powers only work like that? And it, it, for me, it's what drives that score immediately to the basement. Uh, and the, so the story and, and the plot itself were just absolute dumpster fire trash uh, for me. And then the, the the last two categories uh for this movie uh that I had was the music and the score, which I just gave it uh a two here. Uh again, through all the most intense parts of the movie, through all the different battle scenes, there never was that, that go to theme song that really kind of got your heart pumping and really kinda of got you into it. Think about like the the portal scene at the end of Endgame or even the the, the soundtrack. Uh, for the Ant-Man, uh, movie. The Ant-Man, some of the themes in the Ant-Man movie had some fantastic, uh, songs It really kind of got your, your, got your heart going, uh, through some of the battle scenes there. And I just, I didn't get that from this movie at any point in time. Uh, again, recency bias here, maybe two, uh, with, uh, the Loki season two show. Loki season two had some of the best music, uh, in all of, uh, Marvel the, the, the Loki theme song that they use and that song is great. The TBA theme song is fantastic. Uh and then to come into this movie next, it just it's not so much that the music uh was bad at any point. It's just none of it really none of it really landed and, and really grabbed you the way kind of a lot of the other more recent uh uh projects did. And you think of uh James Gunn with uh Guardians of the Galaxy Volume three, his movies are always an absolute home run when it comes to the soundtrack and the music. So again, it's just it, 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 when compared to all the other movies and TV shows kind of around its time here, it's uh, it's easily kind of toward uh, the bottom of the score uh, for me. And then the the last category here for the movie that kind of helped me build out uh, my overall score of a two. And I kind of touched about touched it on it already in the story. and the plot was just the overall ease to follow and the believability of of the storyline. And again, it's just you establish things and then you go completely against it. And there's a any time in a movie where it feels like, oh no, the characters are stuck in this bad situation. How are they gonna get out? Oh, here's a really just a magically magically convenient way. It just falls into their lap. It it just feels like. Lazy, stupid writing, and I think for me the the worst scene in this movie was towards the the very end of the movie. Um, all the the the, the good guy characters, um, uh, Nick Fury and the other members of Shield, um, Amon or Ms. Marvel's family and parents somehow w- uh go to the space station, uh, the Shield station with Nick Fury as well. And the the character of Goose from the first Captain Marvel movie, the the cat slash Felurkin, which uh, you think about it, it looks like a little uh, orange tabby cat, but it actually has this giant octopus type alien monster uh, inside of it. That cat lays uh, a bunch of eggs all throughout Shield, and all these little alien eggs hatch, and all these different cats come out. And they the, the way they have to save all the people in the space station is all the cats have to eat all the people. But the cats eat all the people that work at SHIELD because they need to save them, but the cats don't eat the Marvel's parents. So Nick Fury and the and, and Ms. Marvel's parents can go on the spaceship as just people getting on the spaceship, but all the people that work at SHIELD can they they have to go in the cats. So It felt like a risk. It felt like a, hey, let's try this. It'll be really cool. People will love it. It did not land uh, for me whatsoever. It was easily the the dumbest and uh, biggest stretch scene for me in this entire uh, movie. Um, So again, just for me, overall, this movie on the DMSW uh, five-point scale here is going to be a two. Uh, The movie was fun. And again, the, the, the most exciting part, Uh, was how fantastic uh, the uh, acting performance was uh, by Iman Vellani in this movie. If you stuck around for the mid-credits or the end-credits scene here, kind of a a, a disjointed way of them doing that uh, even as well. They didn't have a uh, mid-credits scene. They actually put it as as a scene right at the end of the movie, and they had Ms. Marvel kind of start to put in the groundwork there to put the a young Avengers team together. She shows up at Kate Bishop's apartment and she mentions uh, Scott Lang's daughter and that they're going to be kind of putting a team together. They kind of gave her the same dialogue that um, Nick Fury had in the very first Iron Man movie when he, he goes into uh, Tony Stark's house and pitches him on joining the Avengers initiative and they kind of pl- do a little uh, flip-flop here, and Ms. Marvel gets those uh, very same lines when she pitches Kate Bishop on, on ju- joining the team that she's trying to put together. So kind of a cool and interesting way there. Uh, where are they going to take this young Avengers project in the future? Are they going to build a, a movie franchise around that team-up like they've done with the Avengers movies? Or are they going to make that a Disney Plus show? That is yet to be seen. We do not know what the, the future Young Avengers project is going to be. But these are some of the, the, the new characters that I feel like they have landed with. With Kate Bishop, she's been... Uh, she, was, she was a great character in the, the Hawkeye show. And again, I can't... I've already said enough uh, uh, praise here for uh, Mon Valani as Ms. Marvel. So um, all signs point to positive things for the, the future with these Young Avengers characters. So hopefully they write them Um, a good story, and like I said, whether it's a movie or Disney Plus show, I am excited to see where they take this, uh, young Avengers plan going forward. And then the, the very end credit of the movie, uh, brings Tiana Paris's character, um, into the X-Men universe. And we see Beast on screen, we see her mother showing back up, but her mother doesn't recognize her because it's from another multiverse, so, um... This seems to be a tie-in that could possibly get us to the, the next MCU movie, which we're going to have to wait all the way until July of next year before we get the next MCU movie. That is going to be the Deadpool 3 project, and if you've seen some of the leaked footage uh, from, the, uh, from, from the filming of that movie, it's very clearly going to have a very heavy X-Men tie-in. To that movie, they're going to use this as the the go-between to bring the X-Men universe into the MCU officially. So uh, that was probably one of the better parts of the movie to know that and to see on the screen that we are finally officially going to get uh, a very heavy uh, influence of the X-Men characters in an MCU project here going forward. So I cannot wait all the way till July. It stinks that we have to wait that long but i think when you get Ryan Reynolds and um Hugh Jackman both on board to reprise their roles as Deadpool and Wolverine all signs point to maybe one of the best MCU movies that we'll ever get with that project i cannot be more excited uh for that movie here uh in the future but unfortunately for this movie itself though Marvels it only gets a 2 from this podcast host That is going to wrap up today's episode. Uh, If I would like to ask you guys again, if you have not had a chance yet, if you enjoy what we're doing here on the podcast and what we've done on the Instagram feed, if you've not had a chance to take the time and leave a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts, that is easily the best favor and the most helpful thing you can do uh, to keep this podcast going. In the right direction. and as I've said before, use that as your chance to uh, basically get yourself a free commercial here on the podcast. If you are a travel planner, if you are a fellow podcaster, if you have a small shop, you want to put that in the review somehow some way, feel free. I, I will Ron Burgundy those podcast reviews that you write. So anything anybody that takes the time to uh, write out a review and, and do that favor for me in this show, I will absolutely pass along the favor and read word for word, whatever you put in that review on these airwaves here on a future episode. So like I said, use that as a chance to get yourself a free commercial, review the podcast, put something in there about the podcast. And then by all means, talk about uh, what you're doing here in the, the Disney online community. And, uh, and I'll be happy to read that on the air. And as always, I like to say too, do that favor for any other podcast you listen to as well. I cannot underestimate how important and how helpful it is when you do those those podcast reviews. So don't just do it for this podcast. If there's other Disney podcasts, Marvel podcasts, True Crime podcasts, whatever podcasts out there that you're listening to, if you enjoy what those creators are making for you week after week or whenever their episodes come out, do them that favor as well and and find the time to... Uh, write out those couple of sentences and leave them a review as well, because it really does actually help in the algorithm on the Apple app and help get that podcast pushed to, to more people. So that will wrap it up again here for this week. That uh, wraps up our episode on the Marvel's movie. We will talk to you guys next time on the DMSW podcast. Take care.